As noted in my song, Piece of the Puzzle, psychologist Abraham Maslow once observed that if a person only has a hammer, he tends to see everything as a nail. In other words, if we only have one tool for dealing with the world, we may try to use it to solve every problem, whether it's the right tool for that purpose or not. Now, suppose you believe you only have a single tool to work with, but in reality, you have a bunch of tools you're not aware of. You might continue to use the one tool you know you have, blissfully unaware that you could be doing a far better job of managing your life with the other tools you possess, if you only knew that you had them. When we talk about the human mind, this is the situation in which many modern people find themselves. Our culture encourages us to believe that our intellect is what makes us different from the animals, that our ability to consciously analyze a problematic situation and think carefully about everything before we act is what makes us the dominant life form on earth. If you accept that idea, you may see your intellect as your one great tool for dealing with life's challenges, including staying off or getting off the wheel of misfortune. Since most of us identify with the part of our consciousness that thinks verbally and can ponder whatever topic we choose, the part we call our intellect, it's easy to believe that this really is our most powerful survival tool. However, it turns out that there's a lot more going on here. The mind uses a lot of other tools, skills, and strategies to help us manage our lives. In fact, the verbal analytical part of the mind has some serious limitations, and the rest of the mind does a pretty good job of compensating for those limitations, often without us even realizing it. Sherlock Holmes and characters like Star Trek's Mr. Spock epitomize the idea that logic and intellect are greatly to be desired and the best way to approach a problem. But are they? In her best-selling book, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain, one of the definitive books on learning to draw, Betty Edwards shares an interesting experiment that anyone can try. If you've never experienced this, I encourage you to take a few moments and try it. Find a picture of a common object, such as a chair, a magazine ad might be a good place to look. Take a pencil and a blank piece of paper and try to draw an accurate copy of the chair. Most people who are not experienced in the art of drawing will create a fairly sloppy picture of the chair. Now, turn the picture you're copying upside down and try doing it again using another piece of blank paper. When you're done, turn your drawing right side up and compare it to the picture you were copying. If you're like most people, you'll discover that the second drawing done with the object upside down is a much more accurate drawing of the chair. The explanation is simple. Our minds use many different types of thinking, even though we're usually not conscious of it. In this instance, when we see the picture right side up, we recognize the object as a familiar item. The image we're seeing connects to similar reference images in our minds, and we identify the object as a member of a category. This is a chair. At least for those of us not skilled at drawing, that knowledge actually interferes with the kind of thinking that would help us make a good drawing. Instead of looking carefully at the shapes and spaces that make up the image and trying to duplicate those as an experienced artist would, we try to draw a chair which ends up producing a sloppy drawing. In short, 
the way we're thinking about what we're looking at undercuts our ability to draw an accurate picture of it. In contrast, when we turn the image upside down, the usual brain connections that identify the object as a chair don't work as well. We're not accustomed to seeing the world upside down. So, we shift into a different mode of thinking in order to recreate the image. Instead of, quote, drawing a chair, unquote, we're forced to actually look at the shapes and spaces and relative sizes of the parts of the image. As a result, we produce a copy of the image that's far more accurate and looks more like a chair when it's turned right side up. This experiment makes three important points. One, we're capable of using many different types of thinking. In fact, we constantly process information in a number of ways that do not involve our conscious verbal selves. Two.